Hello, stranger. My name is Rose Gothel. I am the writer, director, and kind of producer of this podcast, and I want to welcome all of you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is going to be a series of dramatic readings of fantasy scripts, screenplays, a la old radio drama style, you know, like they used to do in the 1950s on the BBC. You turn them on and be like, oh, here's a story. <laughs> we hope to do this weekly, unless something terrible happens, like, you know, Mordor invades... I mean, this is 2020, we've had a pandemic so far and very weird things are happening. The plays that we will be playing on this podcast are going to be high fantasy swords and sorcery screenplays and scripts from me and other authors. We're looking for new authors and scripts all the time, so contact us on the-greenlands.com, by hyphen I mean the little bar, not the word hyphen, or via our social media at The Greenlands, or variations of, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. The Greenlands represents a high fantasy world in general, the traditional, you know, Middle-earth, saga, D&D, medieval, dragon-filled fantasy world. For me, and for this script, it is a real place, but the Greenlands also represents all fantasy places. This week's story is The Sisters of the Middle Sun. I'm a filmmaker, and the script is the first in a series of four feature films that I'm hoping to be filming soon, once this disaster is over. The stories follow a group of sun-worshipping priestesses who have to handle demons and monsters that for once are not an external metaphorical representation of internal struggles. <laughs> yes, I had to get a thesaurus for that. I would like to thank our amazing actors and actresses who brought these characters to life. In no particular order, Sam Parry, Bridget Hemingway, Helen Vary, Linda Dootson, Kate Newell, David McCran, Frances Broody Albridge, and Faye Massey. And of course, not to forget, our narrator, Anne-Marie Goldthorpe. Yes, she is related to me, no, don't ask. If you want more information about the Greenlands, or want to submit a script, or want to be a voice actor, or even just drown us in gold, um, tweet at us, Instagram at us, you know, slide into our DMs, or uh, go to our website, thehighfrangreenlands.com. So let's grab our axes, bows, pointy ears, teenage angst, and resolve daddy issues, and see you in the Greenlands. The convent, hallway, morning. There are the usual eight chairs lined up against the wall, opposite one of the cell doors. There is an hopeful old woman sitting, waiting. Letitia walks down the corridor and slows down, looking disapproving as she approaches the woman. Are you well, Mother Cupboard? Aye, well as things go. Uh, Have you thought more about what we were talking about in our last chat, about the need for your preparing yourself for your end and shriving yourself of your earthly tendencies? Uh, yeah... The door opens and Blodwin comes out in full gypsy costume with a tasseled scarf. Next! Oh, it's you, Mother Cupboard. You're right, then. I... 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 Blodwin ignores Letice's bristling, chivies the old woman into her consulting room and quickly closes the door. Letice bristles some more and fumingly walks up and down for the next ten minutes. The door then opens and Mother Cupboard comes out. Uh, Mother Cupboard, could I just say that I would not... No, you can't. I won't be having with you shrieving and repenting and such like. I'm going to be rich. Jay, rich. She turns to Blodwin and kisses her cheek. Eh, you do us all good love. We look forward to this every week. We don't hold you to this, though, you know. I know you can't make things happen, but eh... It's good to hope for it. She sniffs at Letice and goes off jauntily down the corridor. She cuts a caper halfway down. Letice turns admonishingly to Blodwin. 
You shouldn't do it, you know. <laughs> it's making the rent. It's immoral. It's called hope. These things are never going to happen, you know. You should be preparing them to meet the sun, their maker. Well, you and I don't want to think about dying all the time, so why should they? And telling these girls that they will get husbands just encourages the ugly ones, when they could come and join us as novices. Well, lettuce, just because some of us come to hide their ugliness here don't mean that all plain girls have to give up on having a family-like... Letitia punches her fist. Oh, you reprehensible old witch! Letitia stalks off, Blodwin shouting out to her retreating back. Old witch! <laughs> Coming from you, who's two months older. The convent, refectory, evening. The sisters are sitting at their table as usual, and Patience and Blodwin bring out the silver plates. The potatoes are even smaller than usual. May the sun shine down upon this, our meal... May it shine on our good fortune and keep evil at heel. Oh, let, let it, it be. be. Mother Euphemia serves out the eggs and potatoes and passes the plates around. The potatoes do seem to be getting a bit smaller, Blodwin. Aye, Mother, but we are just about meeting our new rent demand, though, uh, which I suppose is the main thing. I do hear, however, that your prophesying is going well. Letitia passes the plate to Patience. Thank you, sister. I was wondering if I could perhaps sell my treatise to help pay for our upkeep. Who to? The peasantry? Can't read. The yeomanry? Only read pamphlets on cows. The aristocracy? Only read romances about damsels in distress. Mind you, they do use... She covertly glances at patients. <coughs> ...purity belts on their women, which is a bit relevant to your book, I suppose. The moon priestesses, then. They can read. Oh, yes. I really see them buying our abbess's treaties on her. She looks at patients. Purity. They all sigh and eat their little meal. The Prioress Abbot's Study, afternoon. Prioress Papule and Sister Sanctimony are sitting either side of a small table which contains the remnants of a chicken carcass, dirty plates, etc. They are pouring and sipping their port. Novice, Sister Mavis, comes in and starts to slide the plates onto a sideboard. She then brings from the sideboard the side plates and a plate of cheese, a dish of grapes, knives, napkins, etc. The two elder priestesses start on their cheese course while Mavis stands against the wall in attendance. Mr Stilton's sufficiently mighty, that girl. Yes, it is full of maggots, milady. Mighty fine. <laughs> Get it, sanctimony. Mighty. And you like lots of cheese mites in my cheese, you know. You, too, sanctimony. Um, not that keen, milady. Anyway... Talking about parasites, I believe those wretched priestesses managed to pay the rent to plaster then, huh? Uh, uh, afraid so, my lady. Yes, but actually, I don't want their rent. I want their purchase money or their land. She waves and points for Mavis to top up her port. Mavis tops up both glasses. Any idea what we can do about this sanctimony? If... They can't earn any money. They can't pay their rent to us, my lady. Hmm. We could 
ask the primate when he comes in a couple of weeks on his progress if he would step in and prevent these women from engaging in cupiditous pursuits encouraging envy, greed and vanity. Envy, greed and vanity. Maybe she's saddened at these two's plans for the sun priestesses. She steps forward towards the prioress. But, Mother, that's unkind. What will the poor sisters eat, then? Maybe sweeps her hand out in emphasis and accidentally knocks over the prioress's wine. Oh, stupid girl! Get towels and mop this up. Then give yourself twenty flagellations before night song. Yes, my lady. Mavis goes out miserably. Convent, garden, day. Blodwin is digging next to Patience and Letiche. Aggie comes out of her hut at the end of the garden, along with her patient whose jaw is bound up with a handkerchief. Patience smiles, nods and walks away, satisfied. Aggie strolls thoughtfully up to Blodwin and the other priestesses. You all right, are Aggie? Huh? Well... You know, business seems pretty brisk-like. Oh, no. Well, um, yes, I mean, lots of patients come, but few patients can pay. I really don't feel, though, that I can turn away a patient with the crusted scold just because he can't pay, you know. Blodwin thrusts her spade into the bed and straightens up a bit groaningly. Um, what we need is one of your remedies that isn't actually for serious plagues. You know, a sort of... uh... A leisure portion. She takes Aggie's arm and steers her away into the convent. The other two princesses stare blankly after them. Now, I want to see that apocryphal pharmacoping thing of yours, Aggie. There must be some saleable potions in there. Convent outside sanctuary, morning. A few peasants are shuffling desultorily out of the priestess's service. The abbess is standing by the door and Letitia is talking with a small group of women a little distance away. A peasant couple come up to the abbess. Good morrow, mother. Good morrow, my son. Can I just have a quick word with you? Of course. Um, Elderick, isn't it? Uh, yes, mother. Um, I live just outside the gate. We wed me and birthed our Annie. And buried my mother, Anne, and... Ah, yes, yes. I remember now. Um, what is... He just wants to ask about our Annie, mother. Nudging husband. Go on. Yes, well, our Annie keeps visiting the A-fields with the Carter's son far too often. What do you think we should do about it, mother? She won't listen to us, you know. Ah, I could give her one of my treatises on the virtues of purity and chastity. Or Annie can't read. I told you, they're no more use than a billy goat at embroidery. Convent, kitchen, afternoon. Aggie is dipping a jug into a big pan on their table and steadily filling up brown bottles on the table. Blodwin is inking labels with a fierce concentration and her tongue out. We see the labels, Love in the Fog and Come Again Jenny. Under these labels is written, Lovers Mix. This potion will maintain strength in all who consume it without fail. One can foresee many disasters in the future with this. Oh, you always see disasters. I don't see how giving some old men a new lease of life is going to hurt. Priory, unused basement room, evening. 
Mavis takes the book to a reading desk and grabs an ye olde tongue dictionary while she is at it. As she is sitting there reading and laboriously translating, Sister Sanctimony comes up behind her. What do you have there, child? Mavis squeaks and almost falls off her chair. Sister! You can read that, my child. Yes, sister. My father taught me the older tongue. He liked how it sounds. Indeed. What book is that? I can only read a few words, but I think that is a most unusual book. Um, I just picked it up, sister. Um, I meant no harm. Uh, No, no, my child. Uh, Take this to the prioress and tell her what you can read. I am sure she will find it most interesting. Priory, Prioress's study, morning. Mavis is standing in front of the Prioress's desk very uncomfortably. Sister Sanctimony is sitting next to her as the Prioress looks at them over the demon book. So this book allows you to summon servants who do your supernatural bidding? Um, Yes, ma'am. And you can read it? Well, I can translate it, yes, ma'am. Fascinating. (laughs) Can you summon anything? I am most curious. I I think it's very dangerous and... uh, and, uh, and... Nonsense. I order you to summon something small for me to command. These demons may be of invaluable service to with our current little... Issue. Mavis is scared, but does her best. She finds a page with a small image scratched in ink on it of loads of fluffy, dark things with teeth and long fingers. Um, I have here some lesser demons who apparently are known to so as in pig, chaos, or so as in seed, chaos, um, ambiguous. The, the symbol's a bit... Um, all I need is a glass of wine, a drop of blood and a flat space to draw some sigils in the wine. The prioress signals to Mavis that she is to do what she needs to. Mavis gets a glass of wine and pricks her finger, putting a drop of blood into it. She uses the wine to draw some symbols in a circle. She hands the book to the prioress. If my lady wants to command the demon, you have to be the one to say the summoning. If you just say it phonetically, it should be okay. I will be most disappointed in you if this does not work, child. She then intones some language which sounds like something talking with their mouth full of teeth and the circle starts to smoke. The wine glass starts to produce thick white vapour in which there are two red eyes. The sisters stare at it. What is it you wish to read God, Summoner? Oh, um, um, uh, I wish to wreak havoc on the village of Selsbrook. You're right. Let's go, boys! The spook vanishes with a poof, and the sisters all lean forward together and stare suspiciously at the now empty glass of wine. Did it work? Scene 24. Selsbrook Village. It is day. In a field, a peasant heads across the field towards a sheep, but the sheep suddenly vanishes. The peasant is astounded. Farm, a hysterical milkmaid comes running across the yard with a bucket. We see from the bottom of the bucket the mistress come to see the problem. She also screams. In a cottage living room, a peasant woman is sitting burping her baby. 
when she turns to face the camera and then screams, running out of the room, leaving the baby. Village, lane, daytime. A door in a cottage opens and Blodwin emerges, talking to a woman within. Just a few drops in his tea and I think you'll find he's a different man, Mistress Goody. She turns to walk away up the lane and she comes across a couple of other peasant women talking. Hello, ladies. You're Harold in for lunch yet, Minnie? No, sister. He's had to go over to Spum to get another plough because ours just fell apart. For no reason. No reason? And that's not all. They've had hundreds of things going wrong in village. It's demons. That's what it is. It'll have to be sorted by those as knows. You'll have to have a word with Mother, Sister Blodwin. Well, Mother says that demons are only superstitions and are really uh, metaphors for the externalisation of um, inner issues. Well, of course she would. She's not the one having to deal with cursed crops. Blodwin looks a little embarrassed as they walk off up the lane. Convent garden, afternoon. Patience is laying cut plants in her trug and they are secretionally removing themselves as soon as she looks away. She then looks reprovingly back at them and puts them back. She stares at them for a while and they seem to go nowhere until she turns away and then they vanish, reappearing on the floor. Patience is getting a little frustrated. She calls Sister Blodwin over from another part of the garden. Sister Blodwin, I keep putting the cuttings in the trug and as soon as I look away they are gone. Look! She picks up a cutting and puts it in the trug. She turns her back to it, making Blodwin do the same. The cutting does not move, however. She turns back to find it still in the trug. Patience is very confused. I think I may be going insane. Oh no, lass. Don't go worrying. Maybe you had a bit too much sun and not enough water. Patience looks distressed. Blodwin sees this and tries to lighten the mood. Mind you, it could be demons though. <laughs> I bet Minnie on the way here and, uh, and she was saying that they've suddenly started reappearing. The abbess happens to be passing when Blodwin is saying this. Don't be foolish, Sister Blodwin. Demons are not real. They are simply imagined as explanations by simple-minded folk for phenomena they cannot understand. Right, Mother. Convent dining room, evening. Patience and Blodwin process in with the silver dishes. The other priestesses are already seated, awaiting them. Sister Blodwin removes the covers, puts the dishes on the table, places the covers on the side table, and then she and Patience sit down. The priestesses all look with depression at the potatoes they're on. Just five small ones. Where's the eggs? Ain't none. Why ever not, Sister Blodwin? Have to sell them to pay the blooming rent. If you told me, I could have made a nettle pudding. Uh, you'd have needed flour for that. And eggs. No flour either. <laughs> Mother doles out one potato each. Then selling the silver it is, Sister Blodwin. Could you ask the factor to have a word with the squire and ask if the squire would be interested in buying them, hmm? Yes, Mother. The priestesses all look dolefully at their dishes with one potato on. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Sisters in the Middle Sun from the Greenlands Presents. I hope you enjoyed it. If you drop us a like, a subscribe, or review on iTunes, or, you know, whatever you're listening to us on, I don't know what you use, or recommend us to a friend who needs a laugh, please do. We're just starting out and every little thing helps. If you want to get involved in the creative side of things as a scriptwriter, actor, etc., please contact us. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to donate huge amounts of gold, just, you know, just slide into my DMs and I'll be open to hear from you. <laughs> I'd like to thank our editor, John Curtiland, and our musician, David Berlin, for making the ambiance and, you know, editing this whole disaster. We will have another episode out next week, so see you then. Thank you. Look after yourself. I love you. Yes, you. Only you. Ignore the other ones, baby. They didn't mean anything to me. You're the only one. Oh, wait, sorry, I was reading my text messages. <laughs> Bye.